Welcome back, family. I got something very interesting for you. Excuse the cold that I just got over, but that doesn't even matter. We're still going to work, put in some work today. Have you ever thought about what are some shocking mistakes that we make as project managers? Or what are some shocking mistakes that you've made as a project manager? Today's episode is entitled Project Fail Traps, the eight shocking mistakes you're making in project management. Again, project fail traps, the eight shocking mistakes you're making in project management. Now listen, family, I know when I touch on these eight shocking things, most people already say, well, you missed this and you missed that. Hey, I'll make a part two or part three, depending on how the feedback is from the family. But these are some of the things when I first got started, even while I'm going in project management that I've learned along the way that are essential to the uh, craft of the thing that I love that I hope that you fall in love with called project management. See, reason why, reason why I had to fall in love with some of these mistakes is because I've made them. What do you mean, E.D.? See, when I first started leading a project, which leads us into this is zero. This is not even number one. I guess you could call this a pre-bonus. Um, number one or zero is really transparency. You see, a lot of times stakeholders, um, they don't trust each other. Say what? Yeah, they, they really don't trust each other. I, I kind of unpacked that in the Tuckerman model where we talked about the forming, the storming, the norming, performing and adjourning. But really in that forming storming stage is really where you actually see that you have to find ways to build that trust because everyone is really kind of isolated in a sense because they want to show what they can do until they can figure out how can I take what I can do and incorporate it into more of a team environment. Number point up uh, as part of that transparency, we also have to work with stakeholders to ensure that we create a safe place for them to admit mistakes as far as, hey, I'm not going to be able to meet that timeline or hey, I accidentally, you know, um, sent this information to a different customer when it should have went to this customer. Yes, I've, you, you'd be shocked and surprised. Also, stop making your stakeholders feel guilty. And I hate using the word mistakes, but it's, I, I like to use the word of area of opportunity because you have a chance to learn from it. But also ensuring they have a safe place to be able to articulate out what is going on in the project. When you don't create that safe safe place for you as the project manager, unfortunately, unfortunately, I guess really more unfortunately, you start finding out at the end, like, man, if we would have known about this ahead of time, then we probably, we would have been able to get in front of it. So by zero, the first zero point, or I should say the pre-bonus point is transparency. All right, let's move on to point number one. Define team for the uh, project. Defined team for the project. When you work in a matrix organization or you don't really have uh, resources technically assigned to the project, they may be assigned to your project, five other projects. So now it becomes a priority type, uh, type atmosphere. And we're not taking advantage of some of the diverse skill sets that are within our teams. And because we're not taking advantage of that, then all of a sudden we start missing key stakeholders. So when you start defining your team for the project, and sometimes you don't have the, 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 the ability really to be able to define your team, but when you, because there may be a team already in place and you may be taking over a project, but if you're not already taking over a project, let's say that this is a new project, the project charter was uh, you, you just authorized, the project charter was just authorized and now the project manager is on board, 
really, if you have the opportunity to define your team based on the functionalities that you need for that project, it would work better for you in the long run versus the short term because of the fact that once you have a more of a defined team, this is priority number one and everything else is prior, priority number two. You have a more a team that's more focused. They're more focused on getting the job done and executing properly. Not saying that you walking into a team that's already formed, that you can't you know, change that around, but I will be honest with you, it will be, it will be a challenge, which we're up for as project managers. It will be a challenge, but it will be a, it, it will be a uh, as my mom would say, it's like you trying to pour water uphill. It's it just going to keep going downhill. So ensuring when you get on that project, if you're taking over a team, make sure you get these assigned roles. Also a key note here, make sure what the priority is. What, how much time are they allowed it to work allowed to work on this particular project that you're leading? First of all, family, I really appreciate the love and the support that you guys have really been giving me. So don't forget to hit that like, subscribe, leave a comment. I love to get your comments. You know, I respond back to you. So again, all the people that have the, my new, uh, the, I don't like call you guys subscribers, but the new family, appreciate you guys showing me some love. And anyone that is watching this video that haven't subscribed, come on, hit that subscribe for button. What you waiting for? Let's move on to point number two, picking your battles. This is tough. I remember growing up, I had a hard time with this, picking my, picking my battles. Because for me, uh, if someone says something, I want to say something back. But you have to understand, especially when you're leading a project, you're going to have to pick and choose your battles. I'll give you a good example. Let's say that they have uh, they have their own project schedule. Let's say uh, uh, one of your stakeholders, they have their own project schedule. And you're maintaining a project schedule. Most project managers want to go in and be more controlling and, and micromanaging and say, well, no, you have to use my project schedule. We're not using yours. But instead of taking more of a collaborative approach and saying, fine, you can keep your project schedule. You can have all the details that you want, but I just need you to make sure that we can feed into the project schedule that I have. That's a compromise. That's a way to collaborate because they may want to attract more things on their project that leads to the actual milestone. And that's fine. So you have to be flexible uh, when you are picking your battles. There's some battles that you do need to take a strong stance on, some, some conflicts you need to take a strong uh, stance on, but there's others that you're going to have to pick and choose. And again, it's subjective. You're going to have to, under, and unfortunately, because you may have stakeholders coming in and out, you're going to have to do a lot of experimenting to see if this really works, uh, what the team is, is advising you on and say, hey, this is what we want to do. And you have to identify, is this going to make the project more or less successful? And by doing that, again, you're going to have to pick and choose your battles. There's going to be some that you may have to lose on in order to gain the overall big picture. And the overall big picture is making sure that your project is completed on time, under budget or unbudget, within scope and also uh, um, within quality. Point number three, lack of planning. You know about you know where I'm about to go with this. If you fail to plan, then you plan to fail. Point taken. I hear you, Ed. What I'm saying to you, family, is is so I've seen this a lot of times that we'll that we'll skip over the whole uh, detailing of a project plan. I'm not talking about the schedule. I'm talking about the project plan, which consists of your ten knowledge areas. Also, not setting clear, and I do mean crystal clear, measurable uh, objectives. We just just go. All right. I, hey, this is what I need. And we're, and we're just running and we're we're running into this um, 
risk. We're running into this. And we're like, man, we didn't properly plan. So we need to properly plan effectively to assure that we can move forward. And also one of the biggest things we need to understand what a celebration looks like. What are you, what are you talking about? You talk about lack of planning. And he said, understand what a lack of celebration. Stay with me, family. What I mean by the lack of celebration mean when you set milestones, milestone is a significant point in time. So being able to have all these tasks, um, mirror up, or I should say fold up into the milestone. Once you complete that milestone, you should have milestones in your, in, on your schedule to let you know, hey, when I hit all these milestones, this project is done. And so being able to have these milestones, I've seen it on schedules where I know this is weird, but I've seen it, trust me, where they won't have milestones. They have a list of tasks and you like, Whoa, Jesus, when are we going to finish with this? I mean, this seems like a forever, forever, ever, forever, ever type project. So family, I challenge you when you're uh, leading a project, ensure that you're setting those milestones. Point number four, or I should say mistake number four, neglecting risk management. Oof. Listen, when I lead a project and I learned this from a project manager, when I seen when I seen him do it, I was like, oh, I'm going to model that because it makes a lot of sense. He would always start the meeting talking about any risk, any new risk or any new issues or and then we're looking at the existing risk uh, that we put in place as well as the existing uh, issues. Meaning we, he would pull up his uh, risk register and say, hey guys, these are, are there any new risks that we need to talk about that we need to add here? Um, if okay, no new risk. All right. Any new, uh, let's pull up the issue log, pulling up the issue log, any new issues that we need to account for or anything of that nature. Nope. Okay. Now uh, let's go look at our existing. And I'm telling you that what that every meeting that he had, he always started with that. And I, and I asked him, I've had to pull him to a side and I had to ask him, so, so why do you do that as a first agenda topic instead of jumping into the other things? He said, because if we can assess our risk and our issues appropriately, what it end up happening is we'll be playing catch up. We'll be chasing down uh, you know, mitigations to the risk or chasing down these, it, these risks now that they're flipped to issues. So if we're keeping this in the forefront and we're allowing people to be objective and, and create risk and maybe they would never happen, but being able to have a plan in place. Remember I said, if you fail to plan, you plan to what? You plan to fail. So family, take that systematic approach. It's a recommendation, but again, anytime I'm leading a project and I have my weekly or bi-weekly uh, meetings or if I meet twice a week, whatever that cadence is, I ensure that's the first agenda topic that we discussed about. And also I wanna to touch, when you develop your mitigation plan, ensures for high priority risk. Let's move on. Uh, mistake number uh, five. Woo, this is gonna be a good one. Ineffective communication. Ineffective communication. You know where I'm going, right? If you don't, this book right here is based on the communication uh, challenge that we have in the, in the world of project management. So there's a chapter dedicated uh, around communication. And what I've noticed is, is when we don't leverage communication properly, meaning we don't set clear uh, guidelines of how we're going to communicate with the team as well as with the stakeholders. And so we have to be, we have to be the, the forefront. We are the spokesperson for that project. So we have to ensure that we are getting the most up-to-date information. We're, we're making sure the team is staying connected. 
and that we're providing regular updates and progress reports. And don't create those progress reports where um, it's going to take a genius to figure out. I, anyone should be able to pick up a progress report and they should be able to tell you what is going on in the project, meaning what are the key achievements for that week? What are there any risks or, or, or issues? What are... Um, what uh tell me what the milestones are from you know from the top of the project meaning when you basically let's say the project is going to be a six-month project from month one to six what are all those milestones associated with it and then just an overview or basically the project objective what are we looking what is the outcome we're looking um to obtain and most important project managers or new or existing or that have been uh, in this game 10, 20, 50, I don't know how many years, but we have to work on using active listening. Please, and I do ask of you, don't formulate a response before you hear what your stakeholder or your team is telling you. Because if you already got a formulated response, then they're gonna think you're not paying attention. Understand where they're, where, where they're going. Ask probing questions to understand what their thinking was behind that. And then you collaborate with them to drive the point home. All right, let's move on to point number six. Point number six, failing to adapt to change. You know, sometimes we can get caught up in our in, in the, 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 the dogma, or I should say the ideology of what worked before. Yeah, that worked on, on the last project. Hey, let, we're going to do that again. And then when you see it's not working, you're still trying to keep going and going, and it's not working. So family, I challenge you, don't be so rigid with your, plan, with your planning. That's why they have change management. To leverage change management more effectively, if you um, if you see that this plan is not effective enough and we need to make a change because it's affecting our triple constraints, meaning our schedule, our cost, our quality, and our scope. So ensure that um, we're doing we have to do better with that by leveraging that change management process that is in place, and also. Um, Stakeholders, sometimes you're going to get a, a resistance from your stakeholders, and this can be uh, this could be input or external changes that could benefit the project. And we have to be uh, be willing to listen to that feedback and and experiment to see, hey, maybe we should do this, and let's put it in a change request so we can uh, move forward. Point number seven. Hey, listen, you see this? I'm looking at my watch. Time. Yes. So time, poor time uh, management. Listen, making sure that you prioritize tasks effectively leading. Uh, and if you don't do that, what happens is you miss you, you, you miss your deadlines. Uh, you don't allocate a sufficient enough time for really, truly critical project activities. And you should understand you'll be able to get an understanding of that when you're talking with your team. If you're saying, hey, how long is this going to take, take you? And they may say uh, two weeks. And then you may push back and say, well, why is it going to take us two weeks? Is there a way to reduce that timeline? Is there anything that we can do um, by helping you uh, reduce that timeline? So you have to ask these these probing questions. I feel like a project manager is almost, I don't know if you've ever seen the show Another 48, where they're basically asking a lot of questions, trying to understand what happened and, and why did this happen? And so you have to be almost a, an investigator in a sense because you want to understand why your team is either falling behind or not moving fast enough uh, when they already made the commitment. And then the final thing on that piece is allowing scope, uh, scope creep to really find its way in and not adjusting the schedules and priorities or accordingly. And my last and final one, family, and I hope you guys enjoy this one, 
is really staying focused. I understand that there's going to be a lot of distractions. And one of the, the key things, and I've said this in the last video, well, not the last one, one of the videos of where I am in a, a meeting, I'm ensuring that I minimize all distractions so I can be where I'm supposed to be at that time. What do you mean by that, ED? What I mean by being where you are at the time is saying that, all right, I'm going to put my phone in, do not disturb. I'm going to lock in and stay focused to what the team is talking about, interject uh, particular points, allow the team to have healthy, uh, healthy discussion around how we, how we can continue to move this project forward. So ensuring that you stay in focus and minimizing your distractions when you're leading a project. I hope these really worked, uh, helped you out, family, because, again, um, these, these things here really outline how you can fall into the trap and all of a sudden you can look at your project and you're so far behind and now you got to go explain to the sponsor the project sponsor what happened why did you fall this far behind why are you just now letting me know that you're just far behind so make sure family that when you're leading your projects if you're a new project manager hey Take, the, take, these, take this consultation so you won't fall victim, or I should say, so that way you can be a victor over uh, the projects that you're leading. Until next time, this has been your boy ED. Until next time, I'm out.